focus on headline. And let's take a look at what major issues are making the headlines today on Focus on Headline. For this, joining us in the studio today, we have our reporters in Chang'ana and uh, Hong Seung-yeun. Guys, welcome back. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening to you guys. We're going to start things off with national politics once again. The four contentious bills. Uh, we have the revision of the Labor Union, the Labor Relations Adjustment Act, a.k.a. the Yellow Envelope Bill or the Law Three laws related to broadcasting that President Yoon suk has vetoed for the third time since taking office. Of course, the first two being the Nurses, uh, Nursing Act and the Grain Management Act. This, These four contentious bills, again, voted down by the President, finally, uh, voted down at the National Assembly as well as it couldn't get two-thirds of the vote on a re-vote on Friday. Sunya, start us off. Let's talk about the latest revote on these four contentious bills. Sure. So to advance through a 298-member National Assembly, a vetoed bill must have two-thirds approval uh, from lawmakers in attendance. Now the National Assembly held an anonymous vote on the revision of the Labor Union and Labor Relations Adjustment Act at the plenary session on Friday and rejected it with 175 votes in favor, 115 against, and one abstention out of 291 lawmakers present. This bill was a pro-labor yellow envelope bill aimed at limiting employers' claims for damages arising from valid uh, labor union conflicts. Also, the three uh, broadcasting law revisions aimed at reducing the government's control over public broadcasters were voted down as well. On the other hand, uh, the National Assembly confirmed Toyota's nomination as a new Supreme Court Chief Justice, closing a uh, leadership gap at the country's top court that has existed for more than two months. Uh, the Assembly approved Toyota's nomination by a vote of 264 to 18 with 10 abstentions. And Cho was widely expected to easily pass the vote as a Parliamentary Confirmation Committee report indicated the nominee was qualified for the job. And since the former Chief Justice Kim Myung-soo concluded his tenure on uh, September 24th, the country's top court has been without a leader for the past 74 days. After the the opposition-controlled assembly rejected President Yoon Suk-yeol's initial nomination, uh, Lee Kyun-yong. Yeah, that's right. And of course, the, the previous nomination, Lee Kyun-yong, was marred in a number of controversies, whereas Cho Yi-dae, the only real... There was no controversy. The only thing that I think they were kind of a little bit iffy on the nomination was the fact that he's going to be turning uh, 70 in about three years. And so he wouldn't be able to fulfill his entire uh, time in office. A full term was the big thing here. So are you able to kind of uh, fill in your role in the next three years was what it was. But it seems like everything else is being passed. Once again, on a revote, they do require a two-thirds vote, despite the fact that the uh, the DP has a majority. They do not have two-thirds thirds of the National Assembly seats, which is why uh, it was voted down. In the meantime, People Power Party's Talent Recruitment Committee uh, selected five members, including Lee Su Jung, a professor of forensic psychology at Kyung University in Seoul, uh, to be recruited as candidates for next year's general elections. Hannah, let's get more on this. Sure. Now, the first round of talent to be announced was Dr. Ha Jung-un, a pediatrician. And Dr. Ha is the author of a million-seller book called People, People, 
119 pediatrics. Now, Lee Chergyu, the chairman of the Talent Recruitment Committee, said of Ha that he is leading the way in establishing a parenting culture where both parents and children are happy, and we expect him to play a big role in providing solutions to overcome the ultra-low birth rate crisis. Now, the next is Park Chung-gwan. He is a senior researcher at Hyundai Steel who was also hired. Now, Park defected in 2009 after graduating from the National Defense University, which is now known to be Kim Jong-un National Defense University, which trains students to research and develop North Korean nuclear and missile programs. Now, Lee said of Park that he is a new role model for North Koreans who have settled in South Korea and will play a big role in improving human rights in North Korea and advancing engineering in South Korea. Now, Yoon Do-yeon is the youngest of the new hires uh, announced today. He's age 21. Uh, after living in an orphanage for 18 years, he has become a young adult who is now working to connect people like him with sponsors. And among them was a lawyer, Ku Jaryong, who appeared on various broadcasts and closely analyzed the case of the alleged Taejangdong case. Now, Professor Lee Soo-jung, who had been touted as a possible candidate, was also officially announced. And in a radio interview, Lee announced her intention to run for the Suwoncheong district, a heavily democratic district in Gyeonggi province, saying she would go to the hills. And some of those announced today, including Lee, will run for office in the general election, and others will have roles in the party, such as policy development, instead of running for office. Regarding the next round of talent announcements, Lee said that we are preparing to bring in experts in the field of science and technology, adding that the announcements will continue until the nominations are finalized, and the Democratic Party is expected to make announcements next week. It is, again, we are counting down until next year's April general elections. We have just about uh, four months until then. Uh, the big question of whether or not the main opposition Democratic Party will be able to maintain their majority or are they going to be able to flip it? If you look at some of the surveys that's been coming out, I think the most recent one uh, was by, was by uh, NBS. Uh, and I believe right now the main opposition Democratic Party might have a slight edge over the ruling PPP right now, but it is very close at this time. And so uh, we are starting to see the movements being made. We also know that there was a major cabinet reshuffle within the UN administration because a number of the now soon-to-be former ministers will be running for the parliamentary seats. Now, the new choice preparatory committee founded by former lawmaker Kim Tae-sup and the youth opinion group Third Power within the Justice Party uh, declared on Friday that they would jointly establish a new party. Of course, leading up to the general elections, there's always going to be talks of new parties being formed as well. Sing let's get more on this. Sure. So former lawmaker Kim Tae-sup and the co-chair of the organizing body of the Third Power, Cho Song-ju, held a press conference at the National Assembly to unveil the agreement on founding the party. So they explained that the new party is a third zone coalition party where progressives and conservatives come together to create a mature Korea. So the new choice has currently completed the founding process in accordance with the Political Party Act. And the third power has consistently expressed its intention to create a new party. Uh, so accordingly, a joint founding convention is scheduled to be held on the 17th in a way that the third power joins uh, the new choice. Now, the new party will have a co-representative system and the party name, uh, organizational system and core policies will be discussed in the future. 
so Kumte Sabin Cho Songju explained that the new party will continue to play the role of a big tent and develop into a larger political party by promoting solidarity with all individuals and camps seeking new politics. Yeah, it might actually end up seeing a number of new parties uh, leading up to the general assemb- uh, elections because we're talking about these two already. And then uh, we know that uh, Lee Jun-suk, uh, who was the former PPP chief, uh, he's starting a new party. Mm-hmm. And there's speculation right now that the former, I would say once presidential hopeful Lee Nagyan and former <laughs> Uh, main opposition Democratic Party leader, well, at the time, ruling party uh, leader, Inagyan. There's talks about him forming a new party as well. And there's even, I believe there's even a, a, a petition going on right now because uh, amongst the Lee Jae-myung uh, faction right now, there's m- many people who are very much against what Inagyan said uh, recently. And so there's a, a, a petition going on and there is even a movement sort of uh, trying to get Inagyan out of the party, which then would kind of fuel uh, the speculation even more that Inagyan might be forming this new party. And so all these votes are going to split. And of course, mm-hmm. as, as, as big as as this next general assembly is uh, election is going to be a lot of these parties splitting up and it might not be good for the main parties in the ppp and the dp let's talk health because this is starting to become a real problem right now uh, we've been seeing recent outbreaks of respiratory infectious diseases like the influenza and this one mycoplasma pneumonia uh, amongst uh, especially children and adolescents mm-hmm. as well. The government has set up an interagency task force. Hannah, let's get the details of this. Sure. Now, the government has formed a joint task force on respiratory infectious diseases involving the Korea Disease Control and Prevention Agency, Ministry of Health and Welfare, Ministry of Food and Drug Safety, and the Ministry of Education in preparation for an outbreak of respiratory infectious diseases, including this mycoplasma pneumonia this winter. Now, the task force will conduct weekly checks on the supply and demand of hospital beds and medicines, according to the outbreak. And it will work with experts to disseminate treatment guidelines to frontline medical sites. Now, the government held a joint inspection meeting with the medical community and related ministries on December 6 to closely monitor the outbreak of mycoplasma pneumonia at home and abroad and to check the supply and demand situation to ensure that there is no shortage of beds and treatment drugs. Now, considering that the disease is mainly prevalent among children. Prevention education has been uh, conducted for schools, kindergartens, and daycare, daycare centers, and children have been advised to stop attending school and seek prompt medical treatment if they develop suspicious symptoms. And at the same time, the government cautioned against undue fear of mycoplasma pneumonia. Now, this mycoplasma pneumonia, which has been on the rise in recent years among children and adolescents, is not a new infectious disease, but a disease that has a three- to four-year cycle in Korea, with a hospitalization rate of about 5%, most of which are treated outpatient, it said, and ad- um, adding that the number of hospitalizations recently was half that of the same period in 2019. Now, mycoplasma pneumonia is a respiratory infection caused by infection with the bacterium mycoplasma pneumonia, uh, according to the Korea Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and its clinical characteristics and treatment are well known, and it can be cured without medication. Yeah, so I've been going to my clinic. Uh, I mm-hmm. go to the, the, what is it, the ENT, right? The ear, nose, mm-hmm. throat, mm-hmm. Uh, one in my neighborhood. And I've been going for the past month because 
Oh, I have not been. I don't know if this is it. I, uh-huh. I, I don't think it's this. I think mm-hmm. it's something else. But mm-hmm. then my son recently caught mycoplasma pneumonia. Oh, no. But the thing is, the good thing was, is just like Hannah said, mm-hmm. it's not as serious as people think. Mm-hmm. And so we've been going to the hospital and the clinics, there's like a wait mm-hmm. of like an hour and a half. Because it, I love There's the so many kids. kids, so many kids that are sick right now. <gasps> uh, and and I would say about nine, and it's not even a children's mm-hmm. hospital. It's not a right. children's clinic. It's just... ENT, right? ENT, it's an ENT. For adults. 90% of the patients there are children. Wow. And then I'm like the 10% who was also going as well because of all the coughing going on. But mm-hmm. luckily, though, they said they have drugs for this. I think my son was getting medication for uh, mm-hmm. mycoplasma pneumonia. And the, he, he's had a fever for like maybe a day. I mm-hmm. uh, just took the day off from daycare center. I think he's like flying around right now. He's fine. So it's nothing serious. But mm-hmm. again, there is that 5% that people talk about. Mm-hmm. It is a respiratory illness. So because there are some kids out there with some uh, lingering respiratory illnesses from the past, it might affect them even more, uh, especially they're seeing with kids with asthma. So again, always important to go to the hospital for this. Let's talk about that sooning mm-hmm. uh, we had uh, just last month. President Yoon, of course, uh, earlier, uh, directed that uh, these CSATs no longer have these killer questions, right? The extremely uh, hard questions that uh, gives sort of the advantage to kids who go to these uh, academies or private institutions to learn to solve these killer questions. But a lot of people thought, well, if it means no killer questions, then it might be an easy CSAT. Well, it turns out it's not. It was actually a lot harder than what people had anticipated. We got some results of the past CSAT testing, and you got more on this. Sure. So the Korea Institute for Curriculum and Evaluation released the results of the 2024 CSAT on Friday uh, for the test held on November 16th. And it is it is said that the per- perceived difficulty level in Korean, mathematics, and English was higher than the previous year. So the 2024 uh, CSAT, which was held for the first time after the government decided to eliminate killer questions, uh, the test preparation authorities examined how multiple challenging questions were introduced instead of killer questions. And there have been concerns and complaints that some questions remained as excruciating as the killer questions. Now, the perceived difficulty level of Korean in particular increased significantly when compared to the relatively simple or straightforward questions from last year. The highest standard score for Korean was the highest since the current CSAT system was introduced in 2005, along with the year 2019 attaining uh, 150 points. So the standard scores show how far an individual score deviates uh, from the total average of the test takers. Uh, so if the test is difficult and the average score is low, the highest standard scores will climb. So in general, an exam is considered challenging if the highest standard score is 140 points points or greater. Now for English, which is assessed using an absolute evaluation scoring instead of the standard scoring, the proportion of students receiving a level one grade, so those with a raw score of 90 or more, among all test takers was 400, uh, excuse me, 4.71%. So 20,843 students a decline of approximately uh, 14,000 students from last year's 7.83%. And this is the lowest level since the absolute evaluation was implemented in the 2018 academic year. 
And according to the education industry and analysts, questions of highly difficult similar uh, to killer questions caused great confusion among test takers given choices that were too difficult to distinguish from correct answers. And only one student received a perfect score across all categories on this historically challenging CSAT. The student identified as a female graduate of Yongin Foreign Language High School. So while there were up to 33 perfect scores in 2014, but with the integration of the CSAT for both liberal arts and science in the 2022 academic year resulted in only one perfect scorer. And there were three last year. Yeah, so I guess when you're saying that for the Korean and math, 140 standard score is considered a difficult exam, and then 150 was the standard score for this year, you could probably tell how difficult it was and so even though there weren't any killer questions just in general it was a very difficult question uh difficult to see set and i think a lot of people were anticipating that because a lot of people are saying well just because the killer questions are done and over with uh that it's going to be just an easy sunung and i think even one of our listeners were saying that there's like pursunung and then bursunung right mm -hmm. and so like pursunung fire sunung is like the difficult and then water sunung is the easier one right. water sunung the easy sunung isn't necessarily a good thing because it drops down everything uh, right. the meaning for everybody and so everyone the cutoff line is going to be a lot lower and so for more people uh, is, it'll be difficult for people to get into universities with a lower standard mm -hmm. whereas obviously with a more difficult sunung and a higher test grade it is going to be uh, a larger uh, cutoff line so we'll see though uh interesting stuff that's going on with this in the meantime the white house mm -hmm. confirming that the security issues will be the main focus of the meeting between u.s south korea and japan security chiefs on thursday hannah let's get the latest on that sure now john kirby the coordinator for strategic communications at the white house national security council said the core purpose of the discussion is to explore ways to increase cooperation in various areas of security and military defense when he was asked at the briefing whether china's economic coercion will be on the agenda of the u.s rok security Chiefs meeting in Seoul on December 9th. Now, Kirby said that there are so many different discussions going on in so many different forms and ways with South Korea and Japan, including in cyberspace and economic coercion by China hasn't come up. Now, National Security Advisor Cho Tae-yong, White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, and Japan's National Security Advisor Takeo Akiba will meet in Seoul on December 9th to discuss issues including security and economic security in the region, including including North Korea, according to the agencies. Kirby said the day before that during this meeting, the U.S., South Korea, and Japan will actively discuss an agenda of uh, common interest, particularly concerning the security environment. And he added that Sullivan will meet with the respective security chiefs of the three countries to discuss how to implement uh, the Camp David Agreement and how to promote bilateral and trilateral cooperation. In the meantime, the U.S. Senate and House Armed Services Committees have reached an agreement on the National Defense Authorization, uh, Authorization Act, uh, which outlines next year's military spending for the United States. 
As you know, the U.S., they spend a whole lot on their defense. Uh, the committee has announced that the NDAA for the 2024 fiscal year, uh, which states that the U.S. government will maintain the current number of 28,500 U.S. armed forces uh, here in South Korea. Singyeon, you have more on this. Sure. So the NDAA draft includes a call to reinforce the South Korea-U.S. alliance by maintaining the U.S. troop presence in South Korea at its current level and affirming the the U.S. extended deterrence commitment to using the full range of its defense capabilities. So the dec declaration entailed the creation of the nuclear consultative group designed to discuss nuclear and strategic planning issues and other measures to enhance the credibility of America's extended deterrence commitment to South Korea. Also, it added that the United States must continue efforts to strengthen military alliance and defense intelligence sharing in the Indo-Pacific region to gain advantage over China. Now, the bill also emphasized that it would reinforce the U.S. alliance with South Korea by fortifying security cooperation on nuclear deterrence, which was highlighted in the Washington Declaration, a mutual defense uh, treaty that was agreed in April on the South Korean President Yoon Suk-yeol's state visit to the U.S. And the explanatory statement by the committees also explained the conditions under which the South Korean military forces could assume operational control of the RKUS combined forces on the Korean <coughs> Peninsula as Congress asked to evaluate the extent to which the Korean military has achieved the condition for this. And it further requested that the Defense Department report progress to the Congress within 180 days of the enactment of the law regarding the transfer of wartime operational control to Korea. And the draft also stipulates that no later than 45 days before the transfer, the defense secretary is to notify Congress of such a transfer. Now, the draft increases the national defense budget by roughly 3% to 886 billion U.S. dollars. And the NDAA had already been passed separately by the Senate and the House before being approved by the Joint Committee. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always highly likely that they're going to keep maintain the 28,500 U.S. forces Korea. I think the only time where that figure was sort of threatened was uh, during the former Trump administration when there was some negotiation going on where uh, Trump was saying basically this is where that term came from right peanuts right he was saying uh -huh. uh, South Korea is paying peanuts uh, compared to what they should be getting and there was a lot of back and forth going on saying that uh, the South Koreans need to pay a lot more or he's willing to pull off the troops which it's not good for South Korea but it's also not good for the United States as mm -hmm. well United States they need that presence there uh, it's it's you know South Korea as I mentioned before it's it's a geographically a, and strategically a very important place right. for the U.S. Uh, forces and so uh, obviously we the other big thing is as uh, Singen mentioned uh, the the wartime opcon transfer mm -hmm. that's been talked about for years now uh, despite the fact that they say they're going to transfer that over to South Korea we still haven't seen this uh, in the meantime President Joe Biden's nominee for Deputy Secretary of State highlighted the need on Thursday to focus even more on deterrence against the growing North Korean threats noting that Pyongyang continues to perfect its long-range ballistic missiles capabilities while shunning dialogue. Hannah, let's get more on this. Sure. 
Now, Kurt Campbell, currently the National Security Council co- uh, coordinator for Indo-Pacific Affairs, made the remarks during a Senate confirmation hearing as he responded to a question of whether he has any creative ideas to address the North Korean quandary. He said that, I am worried that North Korea in the current environment has decided that they are no longer interested in diplomacy with the United States and that means we uh, that we are going to have to focus even more on deterrence. Now, Campbell was referring to last week's statement by Kim Yo-jung, the sister of North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. In the statement, she ruled out the possibility of the North resuming dialogue with the U.S., adding to tensions heightened by Pyongyang's satellite launch. Kim's statement added to growing skepticism over the prospects of dialogue between the U.S. and the North at a time when Washington is consumed heavily with a range of global challenges, including Russia's war in Ukraine and the war between Israel and Hamas. The nominee also expressed concerns over growing military cooperation between the North and Russia, as well as the North's advancing nuclear and missile capabilities. And asked to comment on the ongoing efforts to hold trilateral talks between South Korea, Japan, and China, Campbell expressed confidence that Beijing will be unsuccessful in building the kind of the bonds of trust that the U.S. has with the two East Asian allies. In commenting on the relations between Seoul and Tokyo, Campbell pointed out that the U.S.'s goal to see the two neighbors put their animosity behind them to focus on the future in every area, including energy, technology, and security. And while noting the importance of America's role in the conflicts in the Middle East and Ukraine, Campbell emphasized his steadfast focus on the Indo-Pacific, where he said the U.S.'s long-term interest will play out over the remainder of this century. But he noted that there are countries that are testing us in apparent reference to China and other potential adversaries. We've been talking about South Korea really pushing to be a weapons exporter powerhouse. And uh, certainly we are seeing this right now because uh, according to South Korea's arms procurement agency, the Australian subsidiary of Hanwha Airspace uh, signed a 3.1 trillion one that comes out to about 2.4 billion US dollars in a deal on Friday to sell 129 right-back infantry fighting vehicles to the Australians. Uh, Singen, let's get more on this. Sure. So the Defense Acquisition Program Administration, or TAPA, said that the contract was signed in Melbourne by Hanwha Defense Australia and Australia's Capability Acquisition and Sustainment Group. So in July, the subsidiary of the South Korean defense firm was chosen as a preferred bidder for the Land 400 Phase 3 program, which plans to replace the Australian Army's M113 armored personal carriers. And according to Hanwha Air Space, the new vehicle will be built in Avalon, city of Greater Geelong, with fleet delivery scheduled to take place from 2027 to 2028. And according to DAPA, this is Hanwha's second ground-based military equipment ex- export to Australia after a deal to supply the country with canine self-propelled howitzers in December 2021. Yeah, I think it was like yesterday, I don't know, last year I think it was, when uh, South Korea held a major weapons expo and I think it was then that they showcased the Redback for the very first time and there was a number of countries uh, including Australia, Poland, uh, I forgot what, there was other countries that were very much keen on uh, signing deals for the Redback and as you know now we are seeing these mm-hmm. major 
uh, deals in place here. And uh, one of the things that they were saying, especially Poland, I think was very uh, impressed about was the, how fast mm. Korea is able to build these uh, vehicles and weaponry and armored vehicles and uh, ship them out very quickly. Uh, moving on here, President Yoon Sagar said on Thursday that his upcoming state visit to the Netherlands will help strengthen semiconductor cooperation between the two countries and contribute to the development of South Korea's defense industry and exports. Hannah, let's get more on this. Sure. So Yoon made the remark while presiding over a meeting discussing uh, strategies for defense industry exports, which is an area that has made significant strides amid increased demand for weapons from countries in Europe, Southeast Asia, the Middle East, and beyond. Now, according to the defense ministry, South Korea was one of the biggest arms exporters last year, achieving record-breaking uh, weapons exports of 17.3 billion U.S. dollars, uh, sharply up from 7.25 billion dollars in 2021. And Yoon said during the meeting held at the office of aerospace industrial company Hanhua Aerospace in Seongnam, just south of Seoul, for our defense industry to make a further leap, securing a stable supply chain of semiconductors and other materials, parts, and equipment is extremely important. And he added that he plans to focus discussions on ways to strengthen the two countries' semiconductor alliance during his visit to the Netherlands. Now, Yoon is scheduled to visit the Netherlands from Monday to Thursday next week, and during the trip, he plans to visit the headquarters of top chip-making equipment manufacturer ASML. Yoon also mentioned that the semiconductor cooperation with the Netherlands, with its uh, world-leading lithography technology, such as EUV, will greatly contribute to strengthening South Korea's defense industry capabilities and create new opportunities uh, for defense industry exports. And during the meeting, the government announced plans to foster five key advanced industry sectors, which are uh, space, artificial intelligence, manned and unmanned systems, semiconductors, and robots. Yoon later met with a group of young people working in the defense industry at the office of LIG Next One, an aerospace manufacturer and defense company located nearby. He promised to provide them with just compensation so they feel reward, reward, uh, rewarded for their work. Now, during a human rights event at the UN headquarters, a North Korean woman, uh, refugee, I should say, mm -hmm. uh, begged the world community to help her find her younger sister, who was uh, forcefully repatriated to North Korea by Chinese officials. We've been uh, seeing more and more movements uh, by the UN and other Western countries to send a message to China to stop repatriating these North Korean defectors. Singyeon, uh, let's get more on this. Sure. So as part of the 22nd session of the Assembly of States Parties to the Rome Statute of the International Criminal Court, an event was conducted on Thursday at the UN headquarters in New York to debate accountability for human rights in North Korea. So at the ceremony, Kim Gyuri, who fled from North Korea in 1997 and now lives in the UK, called to the ICC Assembly participants to help her younger sister Chorok, who is thought to have been forcibly deported to North Korea from China last October. Now, the Kim sisters escaped from the North Korea during the so-called arduous march period. So in the middle of a severe famine that killed as much as 5% of the country's population. So Chorok fled uh, North Korea at the age of 14 in 1998, according to Kyuri, and was sold to a remote rural lo location in Jilin province, China, by a human trafficker, where she married a local guy 30 years her 
years senior and gave birth to a daughter and Cutie lost communication with her sister after her being arrested on April 5th. And Cutie said the local police station ha- uh, was known to collect bribes each year of the North Korean women in a similar situation. And it was a practice that exploited undocumented and vulnerable defectors living in China. So Cutie lost contact with her sister for 20 years and not knowing, not knowing whether she was alive or dead, but only in 2019 by chance did she hear about Chorok again. So Chorok attempted to travel to the UK where her sister was staying via Thailand in April of this year, but was apprehended by Chinese police and detained shortly after. Uh, Ethan Hisok-shin, a legal analyst for the Transitional Justice Working Group, a Seoul-based nonprofit, said that recently civil society organizations have proposed the establishment of an independent permanent investigation agency to ensure accountability for human rights violation in countries such as North Korea. Also, Katriona Mardok, a partner at Global Rights Compliance, Uh, mentioned that because North Korea is not a party uh, to the ICC's Rome Statute, establishing accountability through the ICC is difficult, and referral to the ICC by UN Security Council resolution is likewise doubtful. However, with the support of the ICC, she vowed to encourage sensible, positive, and creative solutions. So, there's sort of a slippery slope uh, with going to the media and talking to the people in regards to this now cutie's sister is now known to the north korean officials now mm-hmm. right i mean she's kind of addressed the united nations as she's addressed uh, the, the media and so forth and so there are major repercussions for those that have been caught uh defecting to and uh, of course although you know we've only have testimonies from other uh, defectors of what happens to people who are repatriated, they're put into camps, uh, labor camps and so forth. Uh, oftentimes they're uh, killed as well. And so kind of have to wonder, right? Uh, but uh, despite all these movements, all these pleas and all these different resolutions uh, being tried to be passed, it, it's, it's, it's very difficult because again, North Korea is going to play by their own rules mm-hmm. as we've been seeing for many, many decades now. Moving on here, uh, this is going to slightly be a major thing moving mm-hmm. forward, I think, although this is going to be, I think, the last thing that we're going to talk about today. Uh, the Ministry of Unification said on Monday that uh, earlier that uh, the number of facilities uh, in the Kaesong Industrial Complex operating without authorization has increased significantly to more than 30. Uh, it's also understood that the North has begun removing the debris mm-hmm. from the inter-Korean joint liaison office that they blew up back in June of 2020. Mm-hmm. Hannah, let's get more on this. Sure. Now, the Unification Ministry said North Korea has continued to violate South Korea's property rights by unauthorizedly uh, using our facilities in the Kaesong Industrial Complex and proceeding to demolish the liaison office building, despite repeated calls and warnings from our government. Now, the ministry has identified 
30 companies in the Kaesong Industrial Complex as operating unauthorized facilities in recent days based on satellite data. And this is a tripling in half a year compared to the 10 unauthorized facilities the ministry said were operating in May this year. The demolition of the liaison office building's rubble began late last month and is ongoing. And the ministry criticized North Korea's actions as a clear violation of the inter-Korean agreement and an act that fundamentally undermines the foundation of mutual respect and trust. Now, the government announced it will clearly hold North Korea accountable and take necessary measures for any acts that violate our property rights and will strive to establish inter-Korean relations based on mutual respect and trust through a principled reunification in inter-Korean policy. And in June, the South Korean government filed a lawsuit against North Korea in the Seoul Central District Court for damages for the bombing of the Liaison Office. And there is speculation that it may also sue for damages for unauthorized use of the Kaesong Industrial Complex. So this is not the only time that there were reports that North Korea was on using these South Korean-owned facilities right. without any authorization. This has been used on an annual basis. Mm-hmm. It's just that the problem here, again, you can file a lawsuit with the Seoul Central District Court. North Korea is not going to come out and say, we're sorry, we're going to pay for this. We even talked about this. They owe millions of dollars to Sweden. You know, they, they ordered cars from Sweden, never paid them, and they don't plan to pay them back neither. And you have all these legal issues. They can make lawsuits and so forth. It's more symbolic than anything. But the fact of the matter is you're not getting anything out of this. And mm-hmm. that's the really frustrating thing because, as we've seen, North Korea plays by their own rules. And if it's on other people's laws and rules, they're not going to play that and they're just going to completely ignore it. And that's how it is. And Mm. so it it really is frustrating, again, for many of these South Korean uh, companies who are basically bleeding money for the past uh, several years now, not being able to run that industrial park that they've jointly run before. Instead, the North Koreans illegally using it uh, without their permission. Guys, uh, thank you very much for joining us for all the reports today. Have a fantastic weekend. Stay safe as well. And we'll see you guys again. Thank Thank you. you. Hope you get better. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.